Good morning, blessed Advent. Today is Tuesday, December 19th, and you're listening to Thy Strong Word, where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures through which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. Just five days until Christmas Eve, and today's hymn is one that, well, it's probably a bit more familiar to Lutherans than those of other traditions, but it is rich with theological symbolism and beautiful teaching about Christ. And that is LSB 372, O Jesus Christ, Thy Manger Is. Before we begin, allow me to thank the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, whose generous contributions help to bring you this very program. They also help bring the true message of Christmas around the world through their translating and publishing work. Go to their website at lhfmissions.org to learn more about what they do. Now, we're live this morning, so feel free to call in with your comments or questions. You can dial 800-730-2727. You can also email me at pastorboo at gmail.com or find me on Facebook, and I'll try to get your question or your comment out on the air. Now, last Friday... We gave away the two-volume set of Eternal Anthems, the story behind your favorite hymns, uh, published by Concordia Publishing House, and we gave it to one of our listeners over the air. Well, thanks to our generous friends at CPH, we were able to give away another set online. And so the winner from Facebook is Angela Omi in St. Charles, Missouri. Congratulations, Angela. Merry Christmas. Now, if you want to follow KFUO Radio on social media, you can. Whether on Facebook or Instagram or X, simply look for at KFUO Radio. Well, without any further delay, let's welcome our guest to talk about Oh Jesus Christ, Thy Manger Is, and it is the Reverend John Shank, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. Good morning, Pastor Shank, and welcome back to the show. Well, good morning. God's blessings to you. Uh, it's always wonderful to be on, and it's uh, definitely unique and uh great treat to be doing something a little different, normally uh, covering a different uh, chapter or partial of a, a chapter. And uh, this is the first time for, for me on KFO to be able to, to take a look at uh, a hymn. Of course, uh, we have much scripture to look at with uh, such a hymn so steeped in God's word. So yes, looking forward to it. Well, I'm great to have. I'm excited to have you on. Sorry about that, but I'm also grateful that you're here today because you know this is a it's a time of year when we are reflecting on all the things that Christ has done when He's come into the world. He He grows and He He uh, He lives that perfect life. He dies the death we deserve. He rises again. And he comes back. There's so much involved uh, at Christmas than just sort of. Little baby Jesus in the manger. And, and I think hymns like this really help us get that message across. Now, I've been asking all the guests, so I'll ask you, do you have a favorite Christmas hymn or carol? Um, I would say my favorite Advent hymn is uh, Savior of the Nations. Uh, for us that uh, went to, to Fort Wayne, that's a pretty special one for for a lot of us of uh, uh, my generation of uh, people going through because uh, we had to memorize it and and sing it every day in uh, history one. So we'd get together and just oh, go through it and sing it every day. So it was just a wonderful, deep, and it, and it kind of just reminded me again and again of how deep <clears throat> our hymnody is. It's it, Like you said, it's not just a trifly thing. Uh, look at how cute Jesus is in the manger. Uh, but to understand this baby in the manger is none other than our God. And, and that hymn, 
speaks of of this um this baby in the womb of Mary is none other than our God that he takes his seat on the throne um there in her womb that that reminds us and talks we have a lot to talk about about why do we want to uh stand up uh from life from conception until natural death well um there is our there is our Lord in the womb there is God who is willing to take upon himself all all of humanity and and all of our experiences uh, of what it is to be human, um, to be fully human from uh, our our conception, uh, even unto death. Now, before we dive into our hymn, which I'm eager to do, anything super special going on at Trinity Lutheran? I mean, I know obviously you have the special Christmas stuff, but anything you guys do unique for the Advent or Christmas seasons? Um, I, I don't know if we're uh, unique in a way. I, I, I think um, I think it's nice to be part of a church that's doing a lot of the same things. Um, I, you know, we we of course will have our our midweek services uh, starting uh, again tomorrow at five. Uh, though tomorrow's service, we we had an extra Advent service at the beginning, so we went through an Advent series, and, so that tomorrow's service could be kind of uh, connected to the longest nights um, and uh, reflecting on the fact that um, this can be a very difficult and dark time for a lot of people. So we call our people to come together for a time of hope and comfort. And so at the end leading into to Christmas, we kind of place it around that time that we have the longest night of the year and uh, reflect on the hope and the comfort that our Lord gives. And of course, there's a a ton of children's programs and plays and sure. all these things because we have a school and a preschool and all those things too. So we have all that too, but uh, to be gathered around God's word. Um, so that that's one of the unique things, I think, but a lot of churches are doing those kind of things too. Um, and then of course, you know, all of our, our services, we've got, uh, you know, this year is kind of a unique, isn't it? You know, with Christmas Eve, falling on a Sunday mm-hmm. so that the beginning of the day for us, we're, we're still, you know, a Sunday morning service being the fourth Sunday of Advent and then turning the page in the evening. So we have five, seven, 11 in the evening uh, where we'll have uh, the nativity and, and celebrating the birth of our Lord. Yeah, because of the unique way it all fell on the weekend, you know, we have a lot going on too. But I think that's a great service that you guys are doing. And, you know, I I just did the three Wednesdays. We could have done four like you did because just the way it felt, you could have snuck in a bonus service. Sounds like you guys did. But I really like what you guys do on that longest night. What What a helpful reminder too to all of us that you know, Christmas time, the holidays, they're built up so much in society and in the church. But because it's such a family affair, sometimes when those family members aren't there to celebrate with you, it can be a, a somber time, and it's good to remember them. Yeah, our associate, uh, Jess Spearman, um, brought that to us, and it's been a, a wonderful addition uh, to our worship so that uh, our people may be comforted You know, every year, uh, especially as we kind of move from all saints. We are reminded of all those who have faithfully departed, departed. Um, the fact that we can't reach out, touch, and, and embrace, but we are always together, and we're always uh, around one table, and we're always in Christ together. And so we need to be reminded of that, that this is why Jesus has come. This is uh, the point of the incarnation that Jesus took upon uh, our flesh. He was united to us so that we will always be united to him. And this hymn that we have today 
speaks wonderfully of that union that we have with Christ. Well, let's get into it. But before we do, let's start our time together in prayer. If you would lead us in that, please. Yes, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, you have revealed paradise to us in the manger. There is paradise. There is heaven who has come down to earth, our incarnate Lord, Jesus. Be with us now as we face darkened days of our sinful fallenness and all the weight and all the hardships that we carry in this fallen flesh of ours. Enable us by your powerful working of your Holy Spirit to see that he is our heart's greatest treasure and to see how much you have loved us in giving of your Son so that we may with joy sing forth your hosannas, your alleluias, your great joy and rejoicing as we celebrate Christmas, giving thanks to you for the greatest gift of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's get into the hymn. Now, this hymn is written by Gerhardt. I don't know that everybody knows who he is, so let's start with him. Tell us a little bit about the author and how did we get this hymn? So, Paul Gerhardt, 1607 to 1676 is his life. And um, so he lived through um, uh, different times of a plague and great struggle, but then also that um, and famine. But a lot of that came because he lived through the 30 years war and the 30 years war coming out of the reformation, the, the reality of uh, peace and unity um, <laughs> that, that is uh, never never really going to be until Christ comes, right? And so uh, we struggle in our sinfulness against each other, even as as Christians uh, fighting and even bringing about bloodshed as we stand firm on the, the truth of the gospel. Um, so standing firm on the truth of the gospel, there, there was great fighting and um, divisions and things like that. Um, and this fighting raged on uh, to the point where there was some four to eight million people that died during this this time ravaged ravaged the 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 land and uh, when uh, Gerhard he uh, attended Wittenberg University that Wittenberg University in uh, uh, 1628 uh, but the time he was uh, graduated and was so uh, uh, able willing to take a call there was not a call uh, for him not a place for him to go uh, not until. Uh, 1651 was he uh, placed as a uh, pastor in, in, in office. Uh, in between those times, uh, he uh, would uh, tutor and he would uh, teach and write. Uh, and he wrote many of his um, many, many hymns. Uh, he is quite the poet. Uh, so when he is writing hymns, uh, often they started just like that. They started as poetry, and he has he has studied in Germany. Many people in Germany uh, would know him, even though they might not attend uh, church or worship uh, for many many years, or if ever. Um, but in school, they would study him like they would uh, study Shakespeare in English speaking, um, because he is uh, so uh, poetic, um, beautiful, and refined in his writing. And then. Uh, of course, um, his writings have been then uh, in, in his life uh, uh, married to tune. 
And uh, so you see in his uh, hymns, so many of them, he writes uh, very personally using I language or my or me or things like that. Um, And that could, uh, that could, sorry about that. Uh, How can I, uh, um, how can I, how can I sing someone else's uh, life story? But when he writes in the my and me, um, he does it in a way that um, we all can add our amens to. He does it in such a scriptural way, in such a, uh, uni- a union to all of, of God's people, not a real pietistic way. That will come after after Gerhard, where people write in such a um, personal way that it's uh, maybe not unique to us, or it's so unique it's not um, common to us all, but not for, for him. Um, he, he's often refined uh, by his suffering, um, this this one was written before a lot of his uh, tragedy. Um, he he eventually was married. He um, uh, is married in um, uh, fifty five, uh, in fifty five, and then um, they they have uh, children together. Him and his wife, um, but um, all but one of his children die um, before his own death, and so he has to live through that. And then his. His wife, too, his dear wife, who stood by him through many a troubled time, um, she also died um, before he died. And so he is uh, refined. He has sifted through um, that uh, cross and tragedy. Um, and, and yet his his hope is always in the Lord. And, his, in, and so he would go back to Scripture um, constantly for encouragement. And we can see that encouragement, but honesty the honesty of the troubles and the crosses of the Christian life, um, but uh, but that always pointing us to our hope in, in Jesus. So he wrote some 134 hymns. Uh, 17 of his hymns are found in LSB. Uh, so yes, quite a, a prolific writer and quite one that is is known um, inside and outside of of the Lutheran Church or um, <clears throat> the faithful. Lutheran Church um, to secular studies of of his beauty of poetry, and then other Christians have taken up um, Gerhard. Uh, he was <clears throat> one that was uh, highly favored by people like uh, John Wesley and others. Well, they do say that next to Luther, he was probably the, probably one of the most gifted and popular hymn writers of the Lutheran Church, and we certainly benefit from all of his great poetry and hymn writing. Um, anything special about this particular hymn? Did you find anything about this hymn or this poem uh, when it came to its development? Um, well, this uh, I think what we'll find here in this hymn is a uh, one. It's it's beauty um, and its richness. That this is um, when you think of Christmas carols. This is not. This is uh, one that's going to be um, uh, a lot a lot heftier than. Uh, you know, uh, a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, or even, obviously that's a, a Christian hymn for us, but even <laughs> Christian hymns that might just uh, speak about uh, the uh, coldness of the night or the silent of the night or anything like that, <laughs> this one will speak about the gospel. And it speaks so uh, profoundly about what what have we been given um, in this, main, who's here with us? And why is he here? So as we look at it, it, it does transition. It, you know, um, I was 
I was uh, taking a look at that. I had printed some things out. My my one daughter was playing a, a basketball game last night, and my other daughter was sitting next to me, so I was writing down some notes while I was watching the basketball game. And uh, and my other daughter's like, I, I don't, I know a way in a manger. I don't know this one. Yeah, I'm like, well, yeah, well, we're we're studying it, it and I'll be on the radio, and I'm going to look at it. And she's like, my oh Jesus Christ, my manger is. She's like, it didn't, she's like, they didn't even write a full sentence. I'm like, well, honey, what, what we have here is my, my manger is, and then throughout the first little bit, it's going to tell us what his manger is for us. What is his manger for us? And then halfway through, then we get to reflect, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us that his manger is this? And then what does that mean for my ongoing life in Christ? And it's, it is amazingly beautiful. Well, let's get into its amazing beauty. We're going to start with the first stanza. Uh, I'll go ahead and speak it. O Jesus Christ, thy manger is my paradise at which my soul reclineth. For there, O Lord, doth lie the word made flesh for us. Herein thy grace forth shineth. So, you know, it's maybe a little hard to hear the flow without the tune, and it's had a couple tunes in its history. Um, but we, you're right about the words here because here is a Christmas hymn that begins literally with the focus and subject of Christmas, and that's Jesus. So you can't, you can't, you know, there's no away in a manger. There's no uh, even oh holy night. Uh, uh, there's no little town of Bethlehem. It's Jesus. So oh Jesus Christ, thy manger is, and then what he says is my paradise at which my soul reclines. So we're already. Fast forwarding to the new heavens and the new earth, or perhaps rewinding back to creation when things were perfect. But already in the first, well, first stanza, it's taking us all over the place. Why don't you take us through where it's taking us? Sure. Yeah. As we as we take a look at this one, um, our just like everyone throughout every generation, there is so much um, distractions. There's very uh, great deal of uh, of life distractions when it comes. Uh, to to seeing Jesus and and even there's many things going around the, the scene of his birth and all that but this hymn does a great job of taking our eyes and drawing them down drawing them down to the manger and say okay look look here what what do you have here in the manger and it says here you know uh, my paradise um uh, uh, thy manger is my paradise um, on which my, my soul reclineth. So <clears throat> here is heaven, and heaven has come down to earth. You know, many a times we think that our, our uh, salvation is found in our ability to climb our way up to heaven, our, our journey, the pilgrim's journey to heaven. And it's like, no, um, the journey was made for us that heaven has come down, and here is heaven. Here is God's place with humanity in the person of his son. Here is our Emmanuel. Here is our salvation. And it's found in the very body and blood of Jesus. And, and it says, uh, my soul reclineth. Um, my soul rests. My soul has its peace. My soul rests on this fact that in the manger is my salvation. That is uh, that's quite a good way to start a hymn, right? Oh, this absolutely. is, uh, again, uh, you know, 
Uh, I, we got to love all, all of our Christmas hymns and some are easier to uh, manage our understanding and some take some time. And, and Gerhard being a real poet is going to, he is going to spin, uh, spin amazing and refined poetry that is, it's just, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's rich. So um, uh, maybe we can keep, keep reading through this first line. Uh, uh, for there, O Lord, does lie the word. And as, um, as we take a look at, at this, we're, we're hearing, you know, as you, if you're looking at the LSB, if you've got a hymnal in front of you, down at the bottom right-hand side, they'll always give you those indications. Where in Scripture should we be looking for the inspiration or even direct quotation for the lines of this hymn. And of course, John chapter one, the word um, was made flesh <laughs> and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. So here is a word made flesh, right? Uh, for, for thee, O Lord, does lie the word made flesh for us here in um, thy grace forth shineth. So when we take a look at the, at the manger, there is paradise, there is heaven come to earth, there is the eternal word, there is God among us, there is our Emmanuel, and there is the glory of God, right? And uh, often we, we kind of misunderstand where is God's glory and what is the glory of God. In John's gospel, they, he does a great job, obviously it's the gospel of John, but helps us to see that the glory is, is seen differently. God understands glory so much differently than what the glory of the world is, right? And the glory of God is seen ultimately in the crucifixion of his son. But for him to be the crucified one, John, John chapter 12, high and lifted up, that's where he will, uh, that's where he will uh, glorify his son when he lifts him up on the cross. Um, but to be lifted up upon the cross, he had to take on flesh. His suffering is the glory of God revealed. And, and here he begins his suffering in the fact of his birth, that he was willing to bear it all, even the suffering of birth, in order to be our Savior. And that's the glory of God. I like how you talked about how he takes our, he takes our eyes and he puts them, he focuses them down on, on Christ. And there, right there, for there, O Lord, doth lie the word made flesh for us. That is the big scandal of Christ's coming, is that, you know, the God himself is wrapped in human flesh. The word of God, the second person of the Godhead, ha has come down. He's And right there in Mary's arms, in this manger at this moment— uh, or playing in the in the in the yard while Joseph is working on his projects, you know, this Jesus is God, and and I think that we've we've lost a little bit of that scandal, and in in ways that's good, right? Obviously, we appreciate it in faith, and we we believe it, and that sort of takes the scandal away. But at the same time, I think we forget just how amazing and miraculous that is, and he's taking us there right off the beginning. Yeah, it, it is a scandal. It, it's a scandal to be able to stand there with the, the shepherds and behold the God of the universe. And who is the God of the universe? This child. This child is my God. And to bow down before him and worship him. It's, it seems like even some Christians have a hard time 
getting that and, and really understanding, wrapping our minds around this truth that the incarnation, that Jesus Christ, true God, true man, the one person, the Christ, he is my Lord. And to come, not just to behold him, but to come and worship him as the Lord. Um, but in the midst of a, having a troubled heart about that, um, here, the stanza, it says, my, my soul rests. I don't need to be troubled. I don't need to be anxious. Um, my soul rests because it is done. Even here at the birth of Christ, also our salvation is, is set. <laughs> it, because he took on flesh, we know he, he has done that. And so he will do it. He will complete it. And he has done that. So we can trust that he will also come again for us. So here we have the God of the universe, you know, confined within this manger. Oh, Jesus Christ, thy manger is my paradise. And why? Because within it is God. Of course, not because of the manger itself. But then this this little God in this manger, we go into stanza two, and it just it should blow our minds, right? He whom the sea and wind obey doth come to serve the sinner in great meekness. Thou, God's own Son, with us art one, dost join us and our children in our weakness. So where it was implied in the first stanza that, you know, here's the word and he's in the manger, it's really laid out very clearly here. This is the one whom the sea and the wind obey, which Jesus himself demonstrates. But look at how meek he's come and not to, not to condemn us, says John 3.17, but says, but to serve the sinner. The scandal continues, but so does the gospel. Yeah, um, throughout these um, verses, stanzas, we, we, um, we have this juxtaposition, this um, setting two points in contrast. We had it at the beginning, too, that he is Christ. This is paradise. Where is paradise? Lying in a manger. Right there, there seems to be a contrasting reality. So humble, so meek, so mild, and yet this is the glory of God. Right? We have that uh, put in contrast, and here what we have put in contrast is the one who is the God whom even the sea and the wind has to obey. So remember the um, what is that? Uh, Mark, uh, Mark four, Matthew eight, um, where Jesus is. Uh, you know, asleep and they awaken him, uh, calms the, the sea, he shushes it, right? You know, <laughs> he tells it right. to be quiet and it, it has to listen to him. So that's the one who is here in the manger, but why is he here in the manger? He has come to serve the sinners in great, me great um, meekness. Um, so, so we've got this this God who um, even the wind and sea have to obey his word has come as the word made flesh to serve sinners. That's quite a contrast, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's, it's striking. And then it continues, right? Um, Thou God's own son, that's who he is, with, one, with us art one, <laughs> uh, does join us in our, uh, uh, and our children. So not just us only, but our children. It's a promise for you and for your children in our weakness and the weakness of our flesh and the weakness of bearing our sin to be our sin bearer. He made him to be sin who knew no sin. That is human weakness. And he 
took upon the weakness of our human flesh to the point of death, even death on a cross. So there is no uh, one who knows us better than Jesus. Jesus knows us all because he experienced us all the way. Um, and that's in contrast to the fact that he's God's only son. He is the son of God. He is true God. Uh, and yet he comes to be joined uh, to us. And as oh. we're joined with him, right? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to jump in and, and just say we're up a, at a break, so we're going to take that. But folks, you know, it, it is beautiful. We we have our divine services. I never even countered the term divine service until I became a Lutheran. Uh, and, and it sounds counterintuitive. We're supposed to be serving God, yet just as this stanza shows us, God comes to serve the sinner out of his great love for us. We'll talk about that and a lot more when we get back. We'll pick up where we left off. Don't go anywhere. Pastor Shank and I will see you on the other side. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan316. Welcome back, friends. I'm Pastor Phil Boo, your host, and this is Thy Strong Word. With me this morning is the Reverend John Shank, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. And today we're continuing our countdown to Christmas as we look at and study in greater depth more of our favorite Christmas hymns. And today's hymn is, O Jesus Christ, Thy Manger Is. Now, if you have any questions or comments, feedback, or complaints, feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at pastorboo at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook, too. Or you can even call into the studio, 1-800-730-2727. Any of these methods can get your questions or your comments out on the air. But getting back to our text. Now, we just uh, read stanza two. He whom the sea and the wind obey doth come to serve the sinner in great meekness. Thou, God's own Son, with us art one, dost join us in our children and our weakness. So God becomes weak, and in his weakness, um, um, he then takes on our sin. But of course, he ends up showing great strength as he overcomes all these things on our behalf. And then now his strength um, is ours. So yeah, so we'll go ahead. You want to move into stanza three? Yeah, that would be great. Let's do it. Thy light and grace, our guilt efface. Thy heavenly riches, all our loss retrieving. Emmanuel, thy birth doth quell the power of hell and Satan's bold deceiving. All right. So in addition to this being theologically rich, it's also pretty rich in some, uh, you know, higher register language. You know, not a lot of kids are probably singing this on the playground, um, but thy light and grace are guilt efface. Let's start there. What does that mean? Yeah, so... 
in this uh, in this stanza, what we have is um, the Christus Victor, right? Uh, Christ has come and he has vanquished. He is victorious. Um, and and in again, what we have is thy manger is the manger itself. Again, not the box or the stone, but who is in the main. The fact of his incarnation, the fact of his birth is a victory for our God. It's his victory um, over whom? O- over the power of hell and Satan, um, who is this bold deceiver. He, our God, through the manger speaks a greater word than the word of the lies of the devil, the devil who thought uh, that he could uh, ha- have all humanity through the fall has been undone by a God who was willing to take on humanity's responsibility, the responsibility of the fall. Um, so it, yes, it's um, yeah, I, it's 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 hard to not just stand in in awe of uh, as someone who can write so uh, so richly. Um, so yes. So then thy heavenly riches, all our loss retrieving, Emmanuel, of course, which means God with us, thy birth doth quell the power of hell and Satan's bold deceiving. Not often we see, you know, a direct sort of, this is what the point of Christmas is. He has come to quell the power of hell. Of course, he's wanting to rhyme, but destroy is even a better word. The power of hell and Satan's deceptions which of course then takes us back to the garden too yeah so the true the true light uh who has enlightened uh, the world has has come into the world of obviously those who are of darkness do not receive him uh, but that all who do receive him he he, uh, he gives us uh this uh, um the right to be called children of god and so we are so we are. So the reality of his birth, the reality of him coming as our Emmanuel, it does something. His his coming into the flesh as as God, it has uh, it has done so. It has quelled, it has quieted, it has silenced, it has squashed, it has squashed the power of hell. It has, as you said, destroyed it. It has put an end to the power that hell has over you. The devil has no more power over you. Why? Well, because Jesus Christ has come into the flesh to bear our sins and be our savior. Therefore, now um, the lies of the devil that God doesn't love you or, or that you can't be saved or that you can't be forgiven or um, you're outside or he has abandoned you or he has left you. All those lies are just that. They are lies. He has not abandoned you. In fact, he has become one with you in the very person of his son. And that, that's not something that Jesus takes up for a moment or just for a lifetime. No, Jesus Christ continues for all time and all eternity to be the God-man, to take humanity back to its rightful place at the right hand of the Father, to return us to him, and then in his redeeming, reconciling work, he comes down, heaven to earth, in order to take us who are earthbound creatures and to present us to his heavenly father. And yeah, to do it, he has to destroy the power of the devil over us. And he has, and he has. I mean, this is all gospel. It's all what Christ is doing from the very first word to even through here. It's all gospel. And when we move into stanza four, verse four, well, then it's sort of, 
how should we feel about this? This is the the whiff a moment. What's in it for me? Uh, so, okay, fine. Christ came and lived in a manger <laughs> or was born in a manger. Uh, fine. He, he can command the sea, but he came to be one of us. Okay. So yeah, our guilt is a face, but, but how does that result? How does that well up in our hearts? And, and stanza four says, thou Christian heart, whoever thou art, be of good cheer and let no sorrow move thee for God's own child in mercy mild joins thee to him. How greatly God must love thee. Um, so I'm on the uh, three-year series. So last Sunday was uh, Rejoice Always. That was the text. It was Gaudete Sunday, but the text was Rejoice Always. And that's what I preached on. And that's so hard, right? I mean, that's easier said than done. Oh, God, rejoice always. How can I rejoice always? Well, Gerhardt in his beautiful pro, uh, poetry here, he tells us why, because of all this stuff he's been talking about, because of what Jesus has done. Uh, heading back to the verse, thou Christian heart, whoever thou art, be of good cheer and let no sorrow move thee, because you're God's own child. Take us through it. Yeah, so um, there there is this transition that you've been mentioning. So the transition of, okay, let's, let's take our eyes off of the Christmas tree or... Um, you know, uh, the presents or the, the uh, wonderful meal on the table. Let's take a look. What, what do we have in the manger? What is the manger for you? What's the manger for you? And it is um, paradise. It is a defeat of the devil. It is a union with God. It's full reconciliation. It's redemption. It's salvation. You are justified because God became man. Here is your Emmanuel. Now, and in stanza four, we are transitioning to speak, to to speak to the heart, um, the 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 manger of the heart, the manger of the heart that will now receive this word. You know, it's very interesting. So, as you said, three year uh, people, uh, we're also a three year uh, congregation. Um, that the fourth uh, fourth Sunday of Advent, we have uh, Mary, and Mary receives the word, and uh, the word. Uh, it, it gives birth in her um, to bear the Son of God. So she receives the word and new life. Uh, the life of this Emmanuel that we've been talking about is received in her womb. And, and that becomes a, a, a prototype, um, an example, a type of, of the whole church, that the church, that every believer does that same thing. They, they are catechized. They are taught. They receive the word. They hear it. Um, they are baptized. The, the Holy Spirit overshadows them in the waters of baptism, and then they receive Jesus, his body and blood. She received the very flesh and blood of Jesus in her womb. We receive the very flesh and blood of Jesus, and he comes to us. He makes a home with us in your very heart. And so the heart needs to be spoken to. If it's going to be the manger of, of Jesus, this heart needs to be spoken to because our hearts um, we often think in our in our lives in our world that our, our hearts are this great arbiter of truth. They are not. They, they often lie to us. They often need to be what they need. We need a new heart, O oh Lord. Create a new heart in me. Uh, cleanse it, clean it, and and make it new. And so this heart is being preached to, and that's why um, singing is so powerful work of the gospel. So not only are we hearing the word, not only are we receiving a word, maybe a word that we never even knew. I'm so amazed by the gospel, these words that we get to sing, but then we get to speak it out. So we speak it out, and as it's spoken in, 
not only are we saying it, we're also hearing it. Um, and uh, the heart is being changed, changed into what? Um, good cheer and to joy. And joy is so much more than just meager happiness today. No matter what you feel today, you can have this cheer, this joy of knowing that he is yours, that God did all of this. He planned all of this for you. <laughs> How can we say we're not loved? We can't. We would be lying to say that we are not loved by God. And how can I be so bold to say that I am loved by God because Jesus Christ laid in a manger for me, for you, for you, he was born. And I love, of course, because, you know, he is a, a great Lutheran, <clears throat> pardon me, Lutheran writer, but he says in Mercy Mild, joins thee to him. And that is, we even see here where our salvation is God's work. It's God doing the joining and out of what motivation? Well, how greatly God must love thee. You know, we always talk about this first to second person uh, discourse, right? So, you know, pastors get up and we say, I forgive you your sins. Now, of course, we're speaking in the person of God, but it's so nice to hear that that language of, you know, I forgive you. It's it's from God. He forgives you. Well, this isn't that, but it's still so nice to hear how greatly God must love thee, to think about God's love being not just for everybody, even though it is for everybody, but it's also for you personally, something for us to remember. Let's go into stanza five. Remember thou what glory now the Lord prepared thee for all earthly sadness, the angel host can never boast of greater glory, greater bliss, or gladness. So remember all the glory, right, that God's prepared for you. But then where I think we get tripped up is he talks about a very biblical thing, and that is that the angels are envious in a way over, over God's love for us. Angels and humans are two different creatures. Yeah, yeah. Um, that the Jesus was born uh, for you, for your salvation, that Jesus took on your flesh and was made one with you. And that union it, is not something that the angels participate as great. Um, often I think foolishly people think, oh, I want to be an angel. It's like, no, um, God became man. We have something far greater than they could ever have, though they marvel and rejoice in viewing its glory, um, though with covered uh, covered eyes and covered feet. And um, yeah, they, uh, they uh, marvel at the glory of our God. And we too marvel at it, though this hymn, uh, the stanza of this hymn, is um, rich in the theology of the cross too, isn't it? Um, because um, the, the second line of the stanza, um, so he says, uh, remember now what, what glory... Um, remember thou, thy glory now, um, the Lord prepared thee for all earthly sadness. The Lord has prepared you. Um, in this life, we will face great, great sadness. There is heavy burdens, heavy crosses. Take up your cross and follow me. That That is, that is uh, not something that we should, we, we say it so often that we don't take it seriously. We don't take the seriousness of what it is to be a cross. So let's remember the cross of Christ when Jesus says, take up your cross now and follow me. So um, so Jesus, um, he became man, our incarnate Lord, to join himself to human suffering. So then we should see ourselves as Christians born again, that we have been united to Jesus in his suffering. 
and the suffering of Christ, that we are willing to endure these things, endure them now in that hope that he has prepared us for them. He, he has prepared us. He, he, uh, he, even though it's like, well, this Lord, this is impossible. How can I, how can I bear it? And, and yes, it would be impossible if it were up to you. Thanks be to God, you're not alone. And thanks be to God, it's not up to you to bear it, but to bear the word of his promise. And that's like, that is the most heavy is cross. That is the greatest burden, if I can say burden for us as Christians, that we bear his word in faith in the midst of human suffering. In the midst of human suffering, we will say amen, amen to you. And then we're also, because he has united himself to our suffering and us to his suffering, then we're also to united to him in his glory. And the glory that he has here, <laughs> going back to last uh, stanza, where, where we got to hear um, him say, for God's own child, you know, we're used to hearing him saying that he's the son of God, right? He's right. the son but he, how tenderly he speaks for God's own child. He is the only child of the father too. He's only God's own child. I think that speaks even more tenderly of the love between father and son, his own child. And he gave him to go to the manger, but the manger uh, it, it reminds us of where he will be laid. He's laid there to eventually be laid in a tomb. Right, He took on flesh to be able to lay down that flesh into death. So the sufferings that we bear in this life remind us of the sufferings of our Lord who suffered for us, the greatest suffering of all, the, the, um, the reproach of all humans, the, the, the wrath of God against us for our sins, so that then we can bear the glory of Christ, of the sonship, of being called God's own child. You are God's child in baptism all because of, of the incarnation. So we look toward Christ for the joy that we need in this life, right? God commands us rejoice always, but then he's always standing by to equip us to accomplish that which he commands. And, and so that's what you're talking about. You know, if we take our eyes off of, and, and not that these things aren't good, but we take our eyes off some of the hustle and bustle of the season, take our eyes off the secularization of Christmas, take our eyes off everything but what's in that manger and reflect as we sing or meditate on this hymn. It should give us a, a new appreciation of what Christ has done for us. Uh, this is a, a beautiful little mini sermon <laughs> right here that we can all sing together. Let's move on to the final verse. At least all, it's all I have is six. So here we go. The world may hold her wealth and gold, but thou, my heart, keep Christ as thy true treasure. To him hold fast until at last a crown be thine and honor in full measure. So he kind of leaves it, well, you know, here it is the 1600s. He can't imagine the type of Christmas that we have in America or even in the world in 2023. But this could not speak to our culture more. <laughs> you know, the world's gold and wealth and it's all about, you know, treasures and accumulating things. And, and, and he says, look, Christ is your true treasure. What, what a beautiful way to end the hymn. Yeah, because um, even for him too, you know, if you read about him, I would encourage you, any, any listener, to uh, do a couple Google searches about Gerhard and also to look up what he wrote for his son and in his uh, last will and testament 
he he uh again as i said he he uh he his children all but one have died his wife has died he he struggled in in his pastorate um his uh um governmental authorities uh, the one that he was under in uh, berlin um was um reformed and then made an edict uh, that you had to submit to this, and he would not. And so eventually he was removed from office. There's a time there without, um, you know, he had to, to leave without uh, prospects of where he was going to go and where how he was going to be able to supply needs for his family and his wife who was still alive at that time. Um, and, and yet he can write things like this, you know, uh, that, the, uh, that the world might may hold her wealth and gold. He could have bowed. He could have said, okay, I'll, I'll just go along. I, I need to eat. My children need to eat. But he didn't. So there are examples of Christians who bear such amazing faith that they will live it, that they'll actually do it, <laughs> and, that, and that they wouldn't um, turn away from the truth of the gospel, even in the midst of crosses and suffering. You know, he also writes, uh, why should cross and uh, uh, suffering uh, grieve me, right? Uh, cross and sorrow, grieve me. Um, so we we've got this uh, great example of faithfulness. That uh, yeah, in our day, we there might be uh, more ease, uh, more uh, gold, more uh, more luxury. Um, but he had some too, and he could have had the easier way, and and yet he took the way of faithfulness. He took the cross of faithfulness, and may we all see that, you know, be able to be able to write to our children on our deathbed and say, remain faithful above all else. Remain faithful so that in your dying days, you can have such peace. He, didn't, he couldn't offer his son many earthly treasures at the end of his life, but he gave him a name, right? And he gave him right. um, a responsibility to, to go preach. His son was also a preacher to go preach the gospel and to uh, to remain faithful and steadfast unto the end, and he will receive the crown of victory, the crown of glory, which is greater than all earthly earthly treasures. And that's what he's speaking of here: that the treasure of Christ uh, far exceeds, and that our hearts, you know, and we this is part of our liturgy. We don't we say uh, lift up your hearts, and we say we lift them up unto the Lord, because where your heart, where your heart is, or where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Right. So if we're saying, here's our heart, because there is our treasure, and our treasure is none other than Jesus. So we're preaching to our hearts, look, there is your treasure, oh heart, our heart that wants to lead us. We say, you know, foolishly in our world, it says, you just follow your heart. But no, no, follow the word of Christ. For the word of Christ, the word made flesh, there is the treasure, and a treasure far beyond all glory, um, as we unite all the stanzas, you know, all the stanzas together. And, and at the last, you know, the crown uh, be thine and the and honor in full measure. So we have something to look forward to, something great to look forward to, you know, um, that we will be crowned with eternal life. We're crowned with the, the crown of his victory. And then we'll lay down all those crowns at his feet as we worship him forever and ever. I think that's a beautiful sentiment. You know, it, you're talking about his struggles through his life and it reminds me of course of your longest night service and 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 other ministries you know 
that's another thing. You know, he's experienced terrifying and terrible loss and struggles and everything that he's had to deal with. And then when you kind of look out on the frivolousness of the world, it, it, it can sort of disgust you and then it can result in this, you know, well, I need to know, I need to cling to something that's solid. I need to put my faith, hope and trust in something that is secure and true treasure. And of course, Christ rises to the top because you know, he's Christ. And it reminds me a little bit, of course, Paul, as you said earlier, was he, you know, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. But still, Paul does this, too, because he's in prison writing things like honor the emperor, you know. And so Christianity is always going to be kind of countercultural. And, and, I, and I see that in this last stanza also. Yeah. Yeah, um, I did. Let me let me read this. This is um, this is the very end of what he's writing his son. And I would encourage you to read it all. But at the end, he says, in summary. Pray diligently, study something honorable, live peaceably, serve honorably, and remain unmoved in your faith and confessing. If you do this, you too will one day die and depart from this world willingly, joyfully, and blessedly. Amen. That's Amen. And that's a, it is, and it's a good place to leave, I think, our program today. And we'll have folks reflect on that as they go into the rest of their day, you know, and it, it's just a reminder that our true treasures in Christ. So I'd like to thank my guest this morning, who's a treasure to us also, the Reverend John Shank, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. Thanks, pastor, for taking us through this beautiful hymn. Thank you. It was a great honor. I encourage everybody to, to listen to it, hear that wonderful him uh written uh the tune by uh koshi uh one of our uh, treasures of the lcms excellent okay so folks tomorrow we are moving right along in our hymnals and we're going to be turning the page to 379 oh come all you faithful so that's what we're going to explore tomorrow but until then i pray that you continue to have a blessed advent and may god's peace and blessings be with you all as we pray together, Father, keep us in thy strong word.